you are listening to an episode of Back Row Movie News. The podcast name and scope has changed. It is now the Broken Record Podcast, uh, but you can still enjoy the past episodes of Back Row Movie News on this feed. Make sure you follow uh, the Broken Record Podcast or Podcast Broken Record. Depends on what social media site on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for updates on future episodes. What's going on, you guys? Welcome and thank you for tuning in to Back Row Movie News and The Alien Legacy. Today, I'm going to discuss and review just a little bit the uh, one of the most recent novels in the Alien franchise, Aliens Phalanx. That's right here on Back Row Movie News. Aliens Phalanx is a 2019 novel by number one New York Times best-selling author Scott Sigler. The novel itself is one very unique to the Alien universe, I think. He billed it as Alien meets Game of Thrones. Oddly enough, 20th century pictures billed it as a medieval tale. And those are the words I kind of use because I'm used to hearing it in the, in like when it was leading up to release. And while it, I guess it may be true in a way to call it medieval, that and the cover art, which took about like 10 minutes in Photoshop at best, most likely, points to knights, castles, swords, and whatnot versus xenomorphs, like the fan film Predator Dark Ages, which I did support on the GoFundMe thing, so my name is in the credits. <laughs> but that is not what this book is. It is really a harrowing tale of 19-year-old Leah really coming of age. Leah is a runner. Runners are groups that venture out you know, three at a time to send certain messages and trade goods and whatnot. Leah is a very skilled runner, maybe the most skilled runner and uh, most well-respected in her guild, uh, Lemeth, or Lemeth. I haven't heard some of these names and cities, or some of these words have not been pronounced toward to me. I've only read them, so if they sound silly, it's because they are, and I may be pronouncing it wrong. Leah had me wary at first. It was... I feel bad for like for feeling like this, but I was I finally fell into the the what you hear from certain fandom members. I was like, oh, yet another alien novel or movie with a female lead. In a way, it's becoming like a trope with the franchise. Yet, it still isn't quite becoming a trope because I think that the recent comics and novels have done well at creating interesting and unique women at the center of their stories. Uh, take Zula Hendricks, for one. She's pretty good. And now you have Ahelia as well. And As I said, she's a mere 19 years old. In this novel, in this world, women are expected to run, to do 10 runs, starting at age 15, I believe. They are exempt from runs if they become pregnant. And if you run 10 times and you don't become pregnant or slide into another niche, another role, another job, whatever you'd like to call it, you continue running. Or you can choose to keep running. She's a strong, like physically, and she's strong-willed. And she struggles with her feelings for her boyfriend, Tolio, who wants to start a family. So she has to deal with that, as well as the outward uh, obstacles of uh, runs. Um, she also comes face-to-face -face with sexism in their societal structure. What she truly wants to be is a warrior. She cannot because she's not as strong as warrior men, so she can't hold up in their phalanx training. See? I said it. 
Uh, the Margrave, who is the leader of Lemethold, gives Leah a certain amount of due credit. He seems to respect her, but he and the rest of the population, uh, especially the uh, the council that governs the population, continue to allow her and continue to actively allow her to be and actively put her down by their rules and biases. I think her story resonates with me because of how dire the circumstances are that Leah must wade through. She already is a runner, probably the most harrowing occupation in the hold at this point in their history. She has to deal with her society. I mean, she lives in a society that blatantly goes against women achieving or doing anything other than a few expected roles in their society. She's at an important time in her life when who she is is really beginning to show finally or change in a major way. And to boot, xenomorphs roam the fucking planet and they hunt down any poor soul they can find. She has an incredible journey that only sort of fizzles in the very end. I'll explain the ending a bit later. I'll brush over it. The other characters are nice because they're well done to a point that they are so consistent to who they are throughout their actions and attitudes in the story. So when they come to points that they have to make tough choices and we see how they react in the final battle, for example, and who they become after that and and uh, throughout the novel, how they change, it's very, very satisfying. I find myself caring to the point when... Uh, Crean would do something annoying and, and try to bitch out, and it's like, come on, my man, develop! This is your chance! So, I think Sigler created a solid ensemble with a very strong lead character. I really like Leah. It seems if when you write a character, there's a valley in which the stakes can just fall straight to the floor. You have to give your characters tough obstacles to overcome, and they have to learn and, and grow, because because of it but i feel like there's a risk of their issues seeming insignificant and just like bleh like if you can't get the emotion of the person correct as they deal with these things i i don't know if that makes sense but i think i just i think leah does impress me and the stakes that that scott sigler created for her and the uh, edagina as a whole and and um uh you know the other characters really well done I think the action, adventure, and horror aspects of the novel were also really well done overall. I really fucking like this book. Uh, I mainly want to focus on the horror because it's why I read an alien book. I crave to see, read, or somehow feel the xenomorph and its related things and stuff. The nice thing about franchises is that something so cool and original gets a chance to be molded and developed and added to, and, and when it works... And added to over the years, I should say, over different generations. It, when it works, it's magical. Xenomorphs versus, like, basically medieval tech and people. The sheer inevitability of the Xenos figuring out where these people are hiding and everyone dying, it hangs like a black storm cloud like two inches over my head the whole time. In fact, the fact that they live in a society <laughs> means there's infighting, inequality, and other stuff and things. So Leah has to be the voice of reason and the beating heart of the fight that truly matters amidst cowardice, fear, and, and power lust. So the scenes of our runners, um, mainly Leah, Crean, and Brandon, when they face Xenomorphs are, well, the one time that they really face them on the run. Uh, it's wildly impressive. So they're, they're, they end up, they, they're out at night because uh, it takes, you know, days, weeks, days, weeks, months, uh, to, uh, it's an Alien Covenant reference. To, uh, but I can't do the accent. 
Oh, it takes like weeks to get between holds because they're all in different mountains, hidden up at the you know in the in these holds away from uh, holds away from the xenomorphs, you know. So uh, the three runners are asleep in in their uh, in these little hidey holes, which are um, uh, like burrows that these uh, native creatures to the planet create that the, you know they can they can hide in and they can like close off the entrance with bushes and sort of do that. And they're in their hidey suits, uh, which are like ghillie suits basically. Uh, netting, they put leaves and bushes, so whenever they see a xenomorph, if they have to duck, they they can hide. Uh, so they're in these hidey holes and hidey shoots, but they wake up to a xenomorph like on fucking top of them. It's nearly sniffed Leah out, but when Brand and then it's about to find Leah, it basically does. But Brandon gets up and tries to save her. He tries to take it on. I mean, the xenos have been hyped up to a point in this book in which they're unstoppable. I mean, basically, the second one sees you, game over. It's similar to Alien Isolation, in which you cannot kill or injure the xenomorph hunting you. Uh, so, to have Leah wake up to one in her face had me on the edge of my seat. It, it truly frightened me. I thought I was, I literally, I thought two out of the three were going to die. The scene itself gets more and more intense as Brandon takes, more, you know, another step towards becoming a, a legendary warrior. Uh, he takes it on alone, basically, and Crean panics and he hides and he can't, he, he freezes up, which gets him and Brandon hurt badly uh brandon keeps fighting though and leah comes in at the end and she helps and she takes over she kills a xenomorph the gravity of this pivotal moment in the book it's wild wild the description of how badly the acidic blood damages items and people it does feel authentic to me i feel like definitely video games and certain other novels or comics don't really play up the danger of the acidic blood consistently enough I mean, the idea of how well the Xenos hunt at night and in the dark holds, once they inevitably get into the human holds, it is what it should be. Oh, I kind of jumped the gun there. Sorry. Some I, I pre-write everything here like I'm reading a script, basically, and sometimes I just keep going and I don't, I don't give it enough. Like the acid blood thing, I should have said constantly enough, and then I should have paused and I should have said the idea. No, but whatever. So the, the the idea of the xenomorphs, how well they hunt at night, and uh, in, in the dark holds especially, like they won't have a problem hunting if they find and get into the holds. Once they inevitably do get into the holds, it is what it should be. The second there's a mention of the sun going down, I want everyone to get inside immediately. I actually like, I actually love the scenes of seeing, in the, seeing them in the day as well. Just imagining them in, the, in that certain sort of barren... Um, uh, medieval sort of barren desert, like, you know, trees, mountains, landscape, just a xenomorph in the fucking bright hot sun, just standing there sniffing around for someone. Ugh. It's just, just there. But now that they're hunting in the daytime too, they know the, they're, they're getting more and more brave. They're changing up their, their, they're hunting more outwardly. They're hunting more for the humans and they're just pretty much still just as unstoppable. So it frightened me. The novel really revels in the experience that is Adagina and its neighboring cities. This is a culture, it is a society, a sort of medieval culture that the Alien franchise hasn't known until now. I could easily, easily see this as a series for sure. This is one of the this is one of their TV show options. The warfare in it is a focus, and the war tactic tactics tactics present um, present play an important role in Leah's character development. The biggest battle, with all the Mount all uh, Adagina's cities remaining coming together to storm Black Smoke Mountain, is impressive. 
really basically, it had me on the edge of my seat. It was a good goddamn scene, the section in the book. I was scared, sad, and I was shocked to see the battle being lost. And by the time our three heroes were taken to the mountain, when they were abducted, they were snatched. Oh, yeah, by the way, they call, um, one of the nice things about the, the xenomorph lore in this book is that they, you know, no one knows what xenomorphs are. Well, someone does, I'll tell you in a second. Um, they, um... No one knows what xenomorphs are. Damn, what the fuck? Oh, snatchers, uh, snatching. Uh, the the they call in the book the the citizens of Edigena and Lemeth and everything call the xenomorphs. They call them snatchers because they snatch people and they take them away to Black Smoke Mountain, which is their home, uh, which is near like a like a volcano, I think. That's uh, got geysers and stuff. But um. Yeah. So, and also here, here comes. So overall, I would absolutely recommend this book. Obviously for alien fans, but I'm also talking just if you like sci-fi or horror or fantasy novels, especially fantasy novels. This this is one absolutely worth reading. I'll even let you borrow my copy if you know me, or if you don't know me, let me know and we'll get to know each other. But seriously, I absolutely recommend reading this book. And now I'm going to go into, I kind of gave you a couple slight spoilers throughout that, but nothing bad, nothing that would anything close to ruin the novel. But here, this is the spoiler section. I'm going to talk about the very end and a couple of the revelations uh, that occur during the final battle and after that, towards the end of the novel. So if you don't want any spoilers, go ahead and click away. Just get the hell out of here. All right, you've been warned. So our heroes are taken to... Black Smoke Mountain. I was in shambles, honestly. It's funny. I took forever to finish the book. I took forever to, like, start the book. But once I got about, like, 50 pages in, I was hooked, and I was reading it every chance I got on breaks at work and between shifts. It's great. So Black Smoke Mountain. Epic. They really, really waited a long time to get us to this almost mythical Black Smoke Mountain. Uh, the tension really, really builds, even though it, like, it isn't mentioned that much in the story like throughout but it still carries such a large weight because we the reader we know exactly what's up there we know it's a xenomorph queen we know what's in her hive with her children all the drones it's in that big foreboding smoky mountain so the hive itself is it's scary and cool anyway because it's a xenomorph hive and it's in a mountain but the twist was truly exciting so the xenomorph hive it's built in a crashed spaceship the ship, it's not visible, I guess, from the outside of the mountain. So when Leah, Brandon, and Kareen awaken in the hive and they begin to explore, they find metal floors and walls. And they're bewildered, really, because the construction, the material, the, the technology present, they're so far beyond their culture that they can't really fathom it. Like, they know what metal is, but they're like, how is it, like, built out of metal? What is this? And they even encounter a badly damaged android. The android is, at this point, ironically, nothing special in terms of androids. It becomes increasingly rare in alien universe media to just see an android, you know, to just be an android. Uh, a really special or malevolent android wouldn't have fit the story here, though, so I'm I'm really glad. It's surprising enough to have an android in the story at all, let alone at this point. Really, that's the magic of the pacing of the novel and the timing of this sort of twist reveal. It's explained uh, about the ship, the android, but left also vague enough or it manages to create enough curiosity to have me thinking about the timeline and, and why the ship was here and, and about the people that were on the ship. I mean, where'd they get the eggs, you know, etc. But those questions, they don't really have time to, 
take up the focus because our three heroes are, are badly hurt and deprived and they're trapped in a xenomorph hive and they're trying to get out alive. Okay, well, right, the one thing that stayed on my mind the whole time, and of course during the final few, page, final few pages of the novel, is that it's so interesting how life is cycled on this planet. There were survivors of a crash or expedition. I thought the ship crashed, but I don't know for sure. Maybe they were just attempting to land on the planet. Uh, and they were forced to start a new life. They'd go back to, like, hunter-gatherer sorts of living with the available resources and population. It, it's just funny how an advanced civilization traveling through deep space and landing on new planets ends up cycling back through the most basic of living styles. And now the people at this point in their history, they have no, they have no clue of their history, of how it started. Not even the hokey religious crowd in the society, or like the conspiracy theorist people, have knowledge or theories or ideas of what, what and who they came from. So, yeah. Wildly interesting and entertaining lore right there. Amazing. I love the world building. As for the finale of the battle against the Xenomorphs, it was okay. I think a little bit underwhelming, but it's just because there wasn't as much time spent in the hive, and I think I would have preferred that. The trio snuck around surprisingly easily, considering how unstoppable the Xenomorphs had been up to that point, and then the plan they came up with to defeat the Queen was it came about really quick, and hell, it was executed rather easily as well. Brandon was a fucking badass, by the way. One thing I wish that the android... I wish that the android survived and was used as, like, a source of knowledge or, like, became an advisor to Leah. It sets up a nice bit of potential for the world as it unfolds after the book ends. Like, say, Leah seems to be on, like, the classic path of a you die a hero or live long enough to see herself become the villain. Having the android is, like... A secret advisor or like exclusive access at certain times to certain people is kind of like an interesting thing you know uh, that'd be cool but that's just a wish that i have if, if it had survived it died in the service of its masters though so yeah the climax was just it was pretty quick and it just lacked the excitement and tension that was present in other action and horror sections throughout the book i will highlight again brandon was an absolute badass george was cool too Oh, and also, before I forget, the leaves and uh, the goop that the they end up, that Crane ends up synthesizing, it's kind of, it's really cool. Uh, these people don't have pulse rifles and grenades to fight these ruthless animals, so they work to survive day to day. Eventually, on that one fateful run where they all almost die, Crane figures out that these leaves have some sort of property that doesn't quite agree with the xenomorphs. I mean, that is what it is, right? Then the novel really stretches it, and it tries something interesting. When our three heroes awaken in the Xenomorph Hive, they've all been impregnated by facehuggers. Surprise, surprise, Crean, or maybe Leah, I can't remember. They feel the chestburster in them, and they make the connection of how the life cycle with the Xenomorphs, with the Snatchers, works. Something that no one on their planet was entirely sure of, but they knew that for every person that was snatched, one more demon was, would appear. They, of course, tried to rationalize in it, but with no scientific knowledge of their enemies, the commonly held belief is that was that the Xenomorph Mother, you, the mystical Xenomorph Mother, uses magic to turn their compatriots into demons. So one of them figures out what's going to happen, and if they don't figure out how to kill the thing inside of them. The smart one in this scene eats the leaves on their hidey suit. They consume enough, and I guess them breaking it down with their teeth and saliva, it sort of synthesizes something similar to the goop that Crean probably made, and it causes the chestburster to prematurely evacuate and die. Now, the evacuation... The evacuation sounds fucking awful. Could you imagine throwing up a chestburster that's, like, also actively, like, crawling out your throat, and, like, you'd have, like... It's, it wasn't quite bleeding, and there wasn't acid, but there'd still be, like, the craziest heartburn. Fuck me, that sounds awful. But it was great. It was cool. 
So yeah, this is one that took me a bit of trying to get into when I started reading it. I think it's a very good book on its own. Really good book. It also succeeds in being a really, really, really wonderful and diverse addition to the Alien franchise. It's a fresh location, time period, characters, and there's new horrifying xenomorph action. So once again, obviously if you're a fan of the Alien franchise, definitely pick this up. Absolutely worth it. Or maybe listen to it on Audible, however you want to you want to consume it. Uh, eat the book if you want. I don't give a fuck. Uh, or um, if you're just a fan of sci-fi, fantasy, horror, anything, any genre like that, and you want an exciting new story, a, a fiction story to read, this is it. But yeah, that does that. That's that's all I got for this one. Uh, let me know in the YouTube comment section in case you're listening to this on audio platforms. Uh, what you think of Aliens Phalanx if you read it? Well, that about wraps it up for today, you guys. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. In the meantime, you can go subscribe to our YouTube channel, drop a comment down below. Let us know how you feel about today's content or anything you want to bring to the discussion. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at News for updates on upcoming videos coming to you guys. And also, you can visit News.com for news updates from this guy, Two Thumbs. 